On a scale of 1 to 10, how adventurous are you? Yes or no, would you go to hot springs? Yes or no, would you go to clothing optional hot springs, assuming you wear a swimsuit? Yes or no, would you go to clothing optional hot springs and participate in the nudity? Yes or no, would you go to clothing optional hot springs, participate in the nudity with your partner and mess around sexually? (laughs) Sugar blossoms, I had an amazing weekend. And I have now had the most public sex of my life, let me tell you. Now, I can't make it sound too crazy or too wild because I do want everybody to know that I was respectful of the people around me. We were not obnoxious and it was at night. It was dark, so it was not a big deal. However, I came extraordinarily quickly considering the environment was new and the experience was new. I've never actually had people who are not participating watch me orgasm before but it was um let's just say fun (laughs) all right you guys i just finished an incredible interview with brie and we ended up talking about things i had no idea we would end up talking about going all sorts of places she is working on getting her love sex and relationship coaching certificate and has amazing insight on issues regarding relationships and sex and sexuality and monogamy and bdsm and sex work and we cover so many different things i'm really excited for you to listen to this interview now I'm splitting this interview up into two parts, so you'll hear the second part next week because we ended up talking so long and over so many different things. I want you guys to be able to really enjoy and consume it. But anyway, enjoy this interview now with Brie and everything that we ended up talking about. You guys, this is a fantastic interview. I hope you enjoy. (gasps) Ellie, what? Oh my god. You talked about sex? Wow. And when you open up your podcast, like anytime I listen to any of the episodes, it opens up with like a story. And so I really, I can actually hear that, like the storyteller in you. It's always really fun. That's what I wanted. I've kind of found it difficult to do that super consistently but that's like the goal yeah (laughs) because I like to like entertain before I go into if it's like a boring episode on like stuff you know what's funny it's like nothing that you're going to talk about is going to be boring though I will tell you that because everything even like the nature of the type of content that we talk about it's it's still so like as unfortunate as it is taboo so people are going to be interested either way so anything that you say just adds to it to be honest if I'm being real with you like the stories are amazing you can tell that you're a storyteller by the way that you speak and by the way that you convey your stories and then how you jump into your like your actual episode but I think anything that you actually put out is interesting Like, I don't think that I've listened to a single episode of yours yet where I'm like, oh, that's kind of boring. Fast forward, you know, never. So I think that's so cool. Um, That's an an amazing compliment. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Very encouraging. I really like the passion in your voice when you're podcasting. Like, I can tell how much, like, you care to, like, educate. And Mm -hmm. I just was blown away by the details. I listened to the um, 
one about butt stuff. And I was like, God damn, she really do be pulling out every, like, everything people need to know. This is amazing. Because people will give information. But, like, you go hard. You're like, I'm going to give you anatomy and I'm like, all this stuff. And I'm like, yes. Yes, please. Yeah. It's like I did – I remember I, in that episode I did go in there and I started talking about, I think, like – um. I think maybe I started talking about what was it like anal pus and I was like maybe we're going to take a step back from that because that doesn't sound appealing for anybody considering anal play um and if I start going into hemorrhoids and anal pus and what's the, I forgot even the one where it's like the butt kind of falls out of it <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, right. Like if that, like I didn't want to. I was like, maybe I'll go into a different part of it. I was like, but then I realized it was getting more, like it was becoming more informational on that side of it. And I was like, no, let's bring it back to the fun stuff. Let's bring it back to like why you really want to enjoy anal because you really can enjoy it. I remember a few people commenting on that episode and like messaging me and being like, thank you for all the information. But the minute you started talking about like like anal pus and hemorrhoids they're like I we kind of clocked out and I was like damn it <laughs> you know I like, like that wasn't the point well, of it well that's interesting because I liked that stuff but then yeah. I have never been a butt stuff person like mm-hmm. I've always told people like that's like that's a soft limit for me I'm only open to it with people like like my boyfriend I would be open right. to it but I still it's not something I'm super enthusiastic about just like totally being honest like I am all about people enjoying it but when it comes to like doing it for myself I tried it with my first boyfriend and we did it like we worked our way into it we used tons of blue like everything you're supposed to do and I just didn't never got to a point where I liked it so I haven't tried again since I'm going to though I've kind of decided that over the past course like couple months that I'm gonna try it again at some point so we'll see I mean, people have weird, weird things about like, for example, some people are like, I will have sex with you, but I won't, you know, do mouth to mouth. Like I won't kiss you because that's too personal. There are people where they're like, I will allow you to, you know, jack me off or allow you to finger me, but I won't allow any other sort of like member penetration, you know, or like any sort of oral. And then, you know, anal, anal play is a big one. It's super personal for people. And you have to have a lot of trust there and a lot of communication um, with the person that you're playing with in that perspective, just because it's really intimate and it's not like an orifice that we're used to having things go up. We're used to having them come out. So, and then the mindset around that too, is that people are worried about, you know, shit, people are worried about like, Mm -hmm. even like the way it smells or anything like that. People, there's a lot of insecurities around, around anal play. So, Um, but that was actually one of the episodes where people were probably the most interested in. And when I did a post about it on my social, um, I got like a lot of likes and people were like, I love this one. Like, this is going to be a great one, especially for all of my um, followers and friends who are um, gay or who really, really enjoy anal play. Like they were like, this is, this is a great one for us. <laughs> I'm like, cool. We're going to do it. <laughs> so it's fun. I mean, it's exciting that yeah, you tried it I though. Yeah. And I want to, again, I like that you talk about it like seriously like you just did and that it's super intimate and everything because that's that's kind of how I feel about it if I'm going to do it with somebody I have to have like a really strong connection and like not be worried about if something goes wrong or if it's bad like stopping it and all of those right elements like coming into play like hey if I decide like 30 seconds into this that like we're done and I just I don't want to have any anything holding me back from from stopping it and sometimes 
it's hard to do that with somebody that you're hooking up with. You start thinking about, well, is it worth it? Is it not worth it to stop it right now? At least I do from my background. I still have those feelings even today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I with with my husband, I mean, husband, partner, whatever, He, we've been together for the last decade and married seven. We actually started anal play quite early on. And even though we were comfortable, there were moments where, you know, if I started to be uncomfortable in the moment of doing it and I needed to just completely stop, there were there were moments where he didn't even realize or didn't even recognize that. Like you can't just immediately pull out. You know, you yeah. gotta like let you gotta let me breathe through it and then let me tell you when to go out. Um, and so there were there were a couple occasions when that happened and it was just like the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life. And I was like, don't touch me, just get away from me. I love you so much, but like, I hate you right now. Um, so it can be, it can be a, a tough one for people to deal with, especially if either one, they're, they're just now trying it or it's something that maybe they've been interested in, but have yet to really explore with somebody who either knows what they're doing or who can be super patient or who they know really well. So it's all experiential yeah. though. Like you have so much experience, I think, um, just based off of like one, your background and also the, you know, what you shared in your podcast. So I feel like there's still some value there as far as what you could experience outside of even just anal play. Like <laughs> I was listening to a few of your episodes and I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds so exciting. And um, I was like, I would have loved to explore those things. <laughs> <laughs> Not too late. Well, you know, I don't necessarily think that I could have a sugar daddy at this point in my life <laughs> and in the dynamic that I'm currently in. Um, but I, I feel like maybe if if and or when my dynamic may adjust a little bit, um, it could be a possibility. It's really interesting. I have had conversations with sugar daddies in the past where we talk about like the age thing and mm, they've mm -hmm. had they have had older sugar babies and it's really to a lot of them it doesn't really make a huge difference what yeah. really matters to a lot of them is just the the feelings that they're getting out of it that they're helping somebody who's worth helping and take that mm. as you will but a lot of sugar daddies just really like the feeling that they're supporting somebody that they care about or that they believe in or that makes a difference in their lives. And so if you are able to like find that connection with somebody, I don't think that age is going to be like a huge factor. It, it will be harder because you do have to like get past the initial, will they talk to me? Will they try to connect with me? But if you right. can, if you find the right person, I don't I don't see why the age would be a problem. I think that there's just like so much, so many stereotypes around sugar dating that sometimes mm -hmm. people are just like, oh, I would never be able to do it. And right. it, is, it is hard to get started. But even for somebody who's young and attractive, it can be hard to get started. It can be hard for anybody just because it there's so many people you have to weed through. There's so many like fake sugar daddies and there's so many like scammers and everything out there. Mm. You already have to have patience to weed through it. So, I mean, it's not easy to get started for anybody and it's just finding that like right connection and somebody who's serious about it and going to do it the right way with you, I think matters the most. That's so exciting that actually you say that. And it's funny because I have a, I have a friend who um, is recently divorced and she actually was kind of like after you know I think like a six-year you know commitment to one person she and after this divorce she kind of was able to like 
freer herself a little bit and I think more like explore sexually and one of the things that she considered doing and I think she may have, she may have talked to somebody or a few people about was being a sugar baby and I know that I I think I'm pretty sure she has you know she had a, a dom um she went into kind of that type of dynamic for a little bit but I don't necessarily know if she would have been able to keep with it as a lifestyle but it was it was cool to to hear her perspective from going from being committed a pretty much traditionally monogamous heterosexual dynamic to then opening up and exploring with, you know, being a sugar baby and ha- being like a submissive. You know, I think that's really cool. I think those options sexually are really, really enticing to me. I've just never been in a position. And I don't know if within my current dynamic, I would be able to be in a position to explore those. But it's really nice to learn about them and listen to somebody who is actually currently within that lifestyle. I think it's so interesting. Yeah, it's really exciting to hear when people are willing to explore that kind of stuff. I think that it just adds so much, so many layers and so much positive to your life, even if you end up not liking something, just to know right. like you tried it and you learned that about yourself. It's all about learning about yourself and it's so much fun and it can be like so amazing. Um, oh, I dig yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it can that. like... And it's exciting that she like explored having a dom and everything because, I mean, for me, that's exciting because I resonate with that because it mm-hmm. does so much for me in my life. My partner is is my dom and he's like all those things. So <laughs> oh, we have it. a very we have a very interesting, complicated relationship, but it's perfect. So, right. Yeah. And it's, it's a, like as long as it like continues to pique your interest and continues to satisfy you sexually and give you even just like emotional stimulation, mental, whatever the connection is between the two of you and like your dynamic. I think that's amazing. More power to you. I don't ever think that there's one size fits all especially when it comes to our personal and our sexual lives. I think we've just been so programmed to believe that there is only one way. And I think that's why people are so drawn to conversations, to the conversations that you have on your podcast as well as on mine. So I think it's really exciting. Could you tell me a little bit on your Instagram, it says you're working on getting your LSRC. What is that? Could you talk about that? That's Yeah. So that's basically just my love, sex and relationship coach certification. Um, I just do LSRC just because it's shorter and I don't have to say it all out loud. And usually if people want to know, they'll ask, but, um, like you did, you were like, what is that? Um, so that's pretty much what that is. So I am currently training. I'm almost certified in becoming that it's basically a 300 hour course to learn how to coach, um, someone sexually, relationally, and within, I guess, more love dynamics. I think more self-love than anything. Yeah, it's relational love. But um, when I look at the perspective of love, I think for me, it's more self-love and self-acceptance. My emphasis would be with a focus on sexual confidence and probably couples intimacy. Um, Mm -hmm. I am comfortable and confident in couples intimacy just because I've been, I think, honestly, uh, a serial, I guess, maybe monogamist my whole life. (laughs) And then I got married very young and have been committed in that relationship since I was 23. And now I'm I'm just turning 30. So I feel like that's kind of the direction that I'd like to go. And a lot of the conversations that I have, whether that's with friends or family or like even acquaintances, a lot of the time they go in the direction of intimacy within their partnership or sex within their partnership and within themselves. So that's my focus. And that's kind of what that's for. It's just like a nice thing to have. I don't necessarily think that I would go to school and, and become a therapist or become a doctor, to be honest. 
I love learning and I love, you know, research and I'm constantly like looking stuff up. My whole motto is like, stay curious, stay sexy type of thing. I don't know if I necessarily want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get, (laughs) to get a diploma, but I do know that there is value in it and I don't want to discredit anybody who does go to school and who does prioritize, I think, their education. I think it's really important. I just don't think, again, like with anything, that's the only way to go about doing it. My style is also more about coaching. I'm a little bit more proactive and I don't necessarily know if I would have the patience and also just like the energetic like capacity to like hold space for somebody that maybe I don't necessarily know well to try to get to their like root of their sexual Mm-hmm. issue or sexual problem or relational problem for me it's kind of like I'll listen to you and I'll hold that space for the current moment and then I want to be like what can we do to help rectify what can we do to bring you more confidence what can we do to help satisfy you in this so I feel like coaching would be more of the direction that I would go as opposed to like therapy or or anything like that I know that was not your question but that's where we went with it <laughs> No, that's basically the LSRC is. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me, that gets me really interested and excited that people can, can do that. Cause I was really interested in psychology when I was going to college and I always thought like sex therapists would be such a cool job and I would Mm -hmm. love that. I'd love to help people in those areas, but that much school, there's just no Mm. way. I (laughs) did not enjoy college very much. Like there were aspects of it that I did, but I was so stressed out the entire time Mm -hmm. that I was sick all the time and I just didn't like being stuck in one place for college all the time. So like continuing that is definitely not not a thing that can happen for me. Um, (laughs) So I totally see you with that. Also the money thing, see you with that. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool that stuff like what you're doing is available because there's so much room and so much space to help people with sexual and intimacy problems because I feel like we all just got so screwed up as kids that there's so much to overcome. At least in my case, it's taken so many years to overcome like the shame and stigma around like my own personal female pleasure and so mm, stuff like mm-hmm. that, everybody's got stuff like that. So I love yeah, what you're doing. Everyone, that. even, even people like you or myself who are advocates for sexual wellness, they're still there. I mean, even, even more so there are things where I think just generationally, familially, societally, like trauma that have kind of traumas that have happened that kind of encourage our self-discovery within I think our sexual exploration, I would, I don't also want to discredit therapy. I've gone to therapy. I think therapy is beautiful. Um, And you don't have to be like down and out and you don't have to be like in the worst position of your life to seek therapy. And I think there's so much value in, in getting counseling and in having a therapist. I think honestly, just professionally, I don't necessarily see, you know, see myself in that position. And, but I think it's amazing and there you can unpack a lot. And I don't think necessarily too, like, I also don't want to discredit anybody who hasn't, you know, who hasn't got their degree and who's taking on coaching, because I do feel like there is this part of us that goes, well, let me see their credentials. Let me see what, what they, where did they get their schooling? Where did they learn this? Who are they to be teaching this or talking about this or coaching me through whatever it is? And I think ultimately it's, do you resonate with this person in any capacity? Do they help you feel better? Do they, you know, um, do you feel even in a sense like held by them in the content that they put out to to encourage your sexual wellness? And I think if you can do that for people, regardless of your um, background or your credentials, I think that says something too. So I don't want to discredit either. And I think it's really amazing either. 
either one are really amazing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've always kind of said in any aspect of people's lives, not just sexually, like, I don't know a single person who wouldn't have at least at some point in their life or currently benefit from therapy in some in some form. Like, it's just right. having having a place to go and talk and work through things is so important for everybody. Just like the human experience, it's necessary. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I think it is. And from everyone that I know, like people have to talk and work through things, whether or not they do oh. that with a friend or with family or with a therapist, like everybody needs to do that. And having like a safe place with a therapist is so beneficial and <laughs> so, nice. so much for a person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. 100% agree with you on that. And I like your focus too. I think that's very, very needed because I mean, personally, monogamy has always been been hard for me but it works for so many people or at least it's necessary for so many people on very different levels and after a long time I've always I've always wondered what the struggles that come up after 10 years would be like getting through so I have a lot of respect for what your focus is thank you I appreciate that um you know what's funny too is I would actually say probably that um yes I think I've been traditionally monogamous. I am and I'm currently in a traditionally monogamous heterosexual dynamic. But I would actually say that I'm probably more by curious. And with age and I think with just kind of like my own personal like awakening and just my own like sexual exploration journey, I'm more comfortable saying that even with my partner. I mean him and I talk all the time about, you know, desires and preferences and how to continue to keep our dynamic strong while also being able to satisfy our very natural, I think, and needed desires and urges as individuals. And so I've never actually had, and I say by curious as opposed to like bisexual, just because I've never actually had a sexual experience with a woman apart from, you know, college, drunk college makeouts and like, you know, titty grabs and stuff. But like, I've always found women or women identifying to be very sexually appealing. And as I've gotten older, I've found that I want to explore that even more and trying to navigate that desire while also being in the type of dynamic that I am in and that I've established my dynamic in. It's come with struggles, but it's also come with really awesome like epiphanies and like conversations between myself and my partner. And I think being able to dive deep with somebody who you know so well and you have so much experience with and still be able to learn something from them even after 10 years of being together, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think it's I think there's just this level of like there's just this, this level of trust and intimacy there that I'm not sure I would be able to have with someone had I not been with them as, as long as I have been with my partner or they have not themselves been through enough life on their own and enough exploration on their own to be able to come, I guess, to me with a more like self-assured mindset. And I think that's super important. That is some beautiful insight right there. And I like that <laughs> a lot. I mean, I'm 23. So my Amazing. relationships before before this one were monogamous, heterosexual, like traditional relationships. Mm-hmm. And the longest mm-hmm. one was, I think, three years And so I haven't, yeah, I have no idea what 10 years down the line even (laughs) could feel like. Um, Get there maybe, hopefully someday, but I think that's really cool. And I can tell just the like pride 
you feel from like making the relationship work that long is really cool too. Like I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. But I also don't want to, I also don't want to minimize the fact that like you can still have, again, like I'm such a big advocate of like, there's no timetable for anything. Like, and there's also no one right. way, like one way fits all. So it's like, I don't ever want to minimize, you know, even the amount of time that you're with somebody because you can feel like you've known somebody, you know, your whole life and you've maybe met them a week ago. Um, I think it really just depends on like, at least from my perspective, who's coming into the dynamic together. Because if you're somebody who is adamant about your personal development and who comes into a dynamic, you know, kind of full I guess that's a good word for it. And then you have another, a partner who comes into the dynamic who's also that way. I feel like there's there's almost like you're bringing all the life that you guys have both lived and all the discovery that you guys have both had individually together. And I think that also says something regardless of the amount of time that you've been together. But I will say that nothing can kind of erase time. You know, like, <laughs> it's so funny that we're getting into this conversation. But really, <laughs> yeah. like, there's no amount of time that could, you know, or there's no relationship if I were to ever, if my partner and I were to ever open up into any sort of ethical non-monogamy where it would be as if, you know, a partnership that would come in or another dynamic that we would bring in or have outside of each other, if that were to ever be the case, it would never take away from what we've got. Because the one thing, no matter how new or no matter how exciting this other dynamic is, it can still not take away from all the experience and the intimacy that we have already created in our life. So lives. So I feel like kind of to each is their own and they're all so beautiful. And even in your 23 years, I think you can still experience, I think the amount of love that I experienced just in a different way. And I really like what you just said about bringing in somebody else and how that can't take away what you've already had in the past. Because I've been thinking about what it would look like to bring in another person into our dynamic a lot in the past couple of months. And I don't know that that's going to happen, but I've thought about just like kind of curiously, like how that would look and what that would be like and how that might change things. And so like just being reminded that like, well, there's all still this past that we've had in this dynamic so that that can't be taken away and the like strength of the relationship that we built through that is always going to like be with us and I really like that I did want to ask you so I really like this question for people in our space like in the sex education space I'm always mm -hmm. curious in your personal life do, do you feel that sex is a like big deal for you in your own life yes 100 percent 100%. I feel like I have to be viscerally attracted to the person that I'm with. I have to be able yeah. to be so physically attracted to them um, for my connection emotionally to stay. And I don't necessarily know what that means, to be honest. Um, and it's not that there have been times where, you know, when you're with the same person for, for a decade, you know, it's like, it's so funny. I always kind of put it in like this perspective. It's kind of like eating the same food every day. And there are times where you, it really is. And you're like, you're my favorite food. But sometimes it's like, you know, I might be craving other things. And so it's like finding ways to like spice up that food to make it a little different because you still know it's your favorite and you love it so much. Um, and so it's like that, I think, for 
me and my partnership and just me and my sex life in general. Like I'm not somebody who can be super vanilla all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with vanilla. Um, I think vanilla is beautiful, but I also definitely am somebody who needs more spice in my sex life and who needs to feel, I want to say, desired and craved sexually. And I do think that like as a person, I'm naturally... I hold a lot of masculine energy as a person. And so for me, sexually, I have to be able to give over to my femininity. Um, That feminine energy for me, like that polarity when it comes to sex is so important for me. Um, And because I'm also a switch, I feel like if, if I don't feel safe enough to switch over into that feminine energy, it's hard for me to feel completely satisfied and completely pleasured. I'm really adamant about it. And my partner and I are very adamant about keeping sex fun and sexy and spontaneous and exciting and, you know, dirty and like just really finding ways to continue to explore each other. Because if not, like I am somebody who thrives in option and I need to be able to have that sexually as well. I completely feel you on that. And I love, I love the like self-awareness there on this is how I am in other aspects of my life. So I need to be able to like be like this sexually because that's so important and that's Mm. so like Mm -hmm. people feel so weird about different kinks a lot of times just because that's something that they haven't thought about (laughs) or like explored and yet they would benefit so much from it like I always talk about how I am like kind of a controlling person like okay I hate having a boss so I work for myself I like controlling my own career and making my own decisions I hate feeling like I can be fired and I don't like too much structure being put onto me in my own life. I like to make my own decisions. So then I'm super submissive sexually. Like I, I, I'm like only like I've tried to explore, (laughs) I've explored being dominant just a little bit and it's so hard. Mm -hmm. Like there are aspects of it that I enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I, I have a little bit of a sadist in me, but like the decision-making and like the, the feeling of like, Ugh, I have to figure all of this out for myself is just like exhausting. Right. <laughs> I just want to be able to <laughs> enjoy enjoy the ride and not make any decisions. Like, and it's just super nice to have a partner who's incredibly dominant. And I would never even consider s- switching. Like, we've kind of kind of walked the line with it a little bit but I wouldn't want like a full-on doms like no that just wouldn't wouldn't go well but that's a really important realization for me in the past was why I'm that way because for some reason it was hard to admit to my like submissive nature Mm mm-hmm Especially, I think what you said sounds, that that sounds so freeing. And that's really like when you were talking, I was just getting this feeling of just like freeness, especially coming from more of like a professional and even just I think outside of, I guess it would be more like professional or your like daily life where you, you, you thrive on being able to be your own boss and make all the decisions for yourself and not have to necessarily worry about being under somebody or ha- being told what to do or being on somebody else's time. I think that says something amazing about then when you get into like a romantic dynamic or more personal or sexual that you just want to be able to release all that and just feel free to be and be taken care of. And I think that's really beautiful. I like the the duality of that. Yeah. And it's like, it is exactly what you said. It's super freeing and it's super nice. And yeah, I, I think for a long time it was, I felt like 
I couldn't be submissive because of all of these standards and mm. things that society said. And it took a long time to like overcome that and be like, well, no, it's my choice. I am actually the one in control here. I can always say no to things like, <laughs> and it, it was, but it was like this weird men- mental duality, like to get over of like, well, right. I am a feminist, but like I'm choosing to be submissive in these situations. And that is like part of my power. Oh my gosh, I love that you said that. It is powerful. People do not realize that the subs have so they have all the power. No, all you of give the power. you give them. You know, you give them, you give your dominant the the power to take care of you. And I think that's really but you have to feel safe enough to submit to them, which I think that's beautiful too. That's a really cool dynamic to have with someone. Yeah. But like you can take it away at any point in time if if they're not like living up to what, what you need or if they're not mm, making mm-hmm. you feel safe or whatever, like you're still the one in control in the, in the end you're yeah. in control. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. you have to, you have to be able to kind of see around, around the obvious for that, but it's amazing once yeah. you get there. And I think it's a great thing for people to know, especially for the listeners, people listening in who maybe have maybe wanted to explore that type of dynamic with someone or who may be currently in one like that, that where it's not necessarily like a lifestyle, but it's more of just like their, their kink, their sexual kink. Um, I think it's important. People can be in these very like, they think they're in like a dom submissive type of dynamic and really it's just toxic and controlling and it's terrible. So I feel like anybody listening who has considered the type of lifestyle or has been interested in that type of kink or anything like that to just really know what it means to be a submissive and know what it means to be a dom and do your research and learn from people who have experienced that lifestyle because there can be a lot of dangers in that and a lot of confusion and, and, um, And I've actually heard that like a lot of the times, unless it's the nature and the consent of the dynamic itself, that it's easy to also confuse gaslighting with dominance. So Mm -hmm. just got to be careful with people who, who are interested in this, just do your research and just learn from people who've done it. That's all. But I think it's great points that you made, to be honest. There's a safeness there. There's a security in having somebody be able to take care of you. Yeah, you're so right. I probably don't talk about the dangers involved nearly enough on this podcast but Mm. the biggest thing for in my opinion for anybody who is submissive or wants to be submissive to remember would be that you don't have to do anything or have to accept anything just because you're the submissive in a dynamic or in a scene Mm -hmm. like just because the dominant who is given that role in a scene says to do it if you're not comfortable don't do it like you still have to stand up for yourself and you still have that power. And it's something that I think is is really important to go into something just reminding yourself of because it's easy to get into a headspace of just like acceptance when you're submissive. That is where I am ending this week's episode. And I can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of the interview. I asked her with her experience and her knowledge that she's gaining what she would tell somebody who has a history or current life of sex work or sugar dating and wants to enter a traditional relationship if you like someone how do you have that conversation how do you bring that kind of stuff up what she has to say is incredible so absolutely do not miss next week's episode you guys i'm really excited for you to hear it that being said i really wanted to end on the note of safe submission because it's so important and the things that she brought up in 
thinking that you are in a BDSM dynamic when it's actually toxic is so important to be aware of. There are fake doms everywhere and it's super important to always be mindful of your safety. If you guys have questions about this, if you guys need an episode on red flags when it comes to doms, I'm absolutely happy to go more into the subject. But the biggest thing to remember is that you are in control of your own body at all times. You're in control of what you're doing, how you're doing it, your own safety. You can stop a scene whenever you want. Before you give somebody the gift of your submission, before you allow somebody to have that dominance over you, you need to make sure that you establish your boundaries. You need to make sure that you establish safe words. You need to make sure that you are with somebody that you trust. And as soon as you feel a slight amount of distrust, you end things. You walk away. You don't do that. It's really important. Remember your power as a submissive. That is something that you are giving to the dominant. That is not something that they inherently have over you. You can always stop something if you're uncomfortable. And you are never so deep into a scene, into a dynamic with somebody that you lose that power. Very important to remember. And I just need to stress that as after we talked about it. Brie is amazing, you guys. She shouts out all of her socials and everywhere you can find her at the end of the episode, but I'm going to give it to you now. Go follow her on Instagram. Her handle is Brianna Andrina, B-R-I-N-N-A-E-N-D-R-I-N-A, and that will be in show notes. She's incredible. Go follow her. Go take advantage of her content and check out her podcast so she talks a little bit about how she is revamping it but she does have episodes out like the one we were talking about with butt stuff it's called so brie says and i absolutely love what she's put out she's so passionate about it and she has so much good information and so much good content in that so definitely go give it a listen i can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of the episode i will see you next week